Picture him in his masterpiece theater type of living room with a rich leather chair, his smoking jacket and a pipe, reading G.K. Chesterton. Aloha. From the sandy beaches of Hawaii comes a wave of God's love and the challenge to go deeper. Paddle out with us and experience the thrills of the radical plan God has for your life. It's Deep Adventure Radio with your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. Aloha and welcome to Deep Adventure Radio. This is your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. We're bringing you Deep Adventure Radio, the bold standard of radio. Today we have as our guest someone that you're kind of intimidating. He's the intellectual giant, Dale Alquist. Uh, actually, he is the president of the G.K. Chesterton Society. I like the fact they call it a society. It sounds so sophisticated, like we should all be sitting in rich leather chairs and speaking perfunctorily to one another while smoking a pipe or a cigar uh, and, and, and using words that are bigger than we really even know what they mean. But we have Dale Alquist here. I'm so thrilled to have discovered G.K. Chesterton. They're uh, working to help him become canonized to become a saint. He'll probably be the patron saint of cigars because he always loved a, a good smoke. He was a writer in the early 1900s, uh, atheist, became Catholic. In a sense, he's the spiritual father to C.S. Lewis, brilliant mind. And so t- today, before we get started, I want to challenge you. You know, as a Christian, as a Catholic, there's four areas of our life that John Paul II said that we needed to be formed in. There's the, the spiritual, there's the human, there's the intellectual, and there's the pastoral. All of us are shepherds. All of us are pastors. All of us are leading someone. Whether you know it or not, someone is watching you, someone is learning from you, someone is following you. So first, we have to recognize that we're leaders. But I have a saying, leaders are readers. If you are called to be a leader, you need to also form yourself. And we do that by reading. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind. And I remember when I used to read that, I just like, okay, all my mind. I Okay, I guess we'll add that on. Maybe it's a nice rhythm to the verse, but didn't really realize, really didn't consider that last word. But I find myself, as the Lord has given me in different seasons of my spiritual walk, such a deep hunger to explore his beauty, to explore the wonder of who he is. I'm reading St. Augustine's book right now on the Holy Trinity. Oh, so beautiful. I love to read Thomas Aquinas and to read the Catholic Catechism. I want to let you know that God wants you to love him with all your mind. That means bringing all thoughts into captivity. That means to dwell on good things. Your mind is a battlefield. It's, a, it's the first battlefield the enemy is going to have with you. The enemy is going to plant worry in your heart, stress about things that you have no control over. One of the things a great athlete does is we compartmentalize our lives. We focus on what we have control over, and we don't worry about what we don't have control over. When I'm tandem surfing, there's things that I do that my partner, my, the woman who I'm lifting uh, into, a, into an acrobatic lift, can't do anything about. And there's things that she's doing that I can't do anything about. I focus on my work. She focuses on her work. When we love the Lord, we need to love him with a beautiful mind. And our mind needs to learn 
to give to God what is his role and that we focus on our role. Why worry about something you have no control over? Why not give that to the Lord? Not Why not bring all thoughts into captivity? The Bible said, whatever is good, whatsoever is right, whatsoever is excellent, think on these things. Direct your thoughts. Be the charioteer of your own chariot. Direct where your thoughts are going. Be mindful. Be aware of where your thoughts are going. And one of the beautiful things that you can do for your mind to strengthen it is to read the great writings of people of St. Thomas Aquinas, of our, of our beautiful Catholic catechism, of uh, Augustine, and certainly enjoy the wit and the insight of people like G.K. Chesterton. We're so glad to have Dale Alquist with us today, the president of the G.K. Chesterton Society. And we want to invite you also to go to our website, deepadventure.com. There you can find, our, uh, you can subscribe to our newsletter. Uh, you can buy my book, Deep in the Wave, A Surfing Guide to the Soul. It's a bestseller. It's a great evangelistic tool. And it challenges all of us to go deeper with God. It's full of adventure. Uh, you, you see me paddling my surfboard across a 28-mile treacherous channel of between Molokai and Oahu. You'll see me pedaling my bicycle across the United States, testing for my black belt. My son surfing 70-foot waves, you know, learning to skydive. All those things, though, all those adventurous, just underline for us the fact that the most radical thing you can do, the most adventurous thing you can do in life is abandon yourself to God's will. So go to our website, and there you can also click on the Fitness to Witness link. Go to our sponsor on it. They've provided you with a 10% discount on all of their earth-grown nutrients, and they're wonderful. Alpha Brain in particular has been just a great blessing to me. And they, in turn, provide sponsorship for our ministry. So go to our website, deepadventure.com. Subscribe to our newsletter. You can look at our old and listen to our old archived radio shows. You can even click on them and share them with your friends. This is Bear Wozniak. We'll be right back with more of the bold standard of radio, Deep Adventure Radio. Deep Adventure Radio, where the surf is always on. To help you get more from the Global Catholic Network, EWTN offers a monthly program guide completely free of charge. This handy schedule tells you where to look for your favorite Catholic programs. For your free guide, write to EWTN Program Guide, Irondale, Alabama, 35210. Deep Adventure Radio has challenged you to accept the wild adventure of God's will. Now, go even deeper with Bear's best-selling book, Deep in the Wave, A Surfing Guide to the Soul. In story after story, Bear takes us along as he paddles deep, surfing alongside whales and dolphins and avoiding killer sharks. Bear shares his experiences of the ocean in an intimate and exciting way. We share in his pain, healing through God, and the joy of finding that deep, intimate relationship with him. As the story unfolds, you'll see how surfing has become the metaphor for the journey toward intimacy with God. Deep in the Wave, a surfing guide to the soul, will stir your own desire to go deeper into your faith. Order it today at deepadventure.com for your own faith journey or for someone who needs to go deeper. Deep in the Wave, a surfing guide to the soul by Bear Wozniak. Available at deepadventure.com. Next time you visit EWTN.com, be sure to check out the Religious Catalog section. You'll find a wide variety of Catholic products. From Bibles to rosaries, there's something for everyone. And you can order online. It's easy, safe, and secure. 
Shop the religious catalog 24 hours a day at EWTN.com. Now, back to Paradise and Deep Adventure Radio. Aloha, and welcome back to Deep Adventure Radio. Uh, this is Bear Wozniak, your adventure guide. We have as our co-adventure guide today, Dale Alquist. He's known as one of the most romantic men in the world. Uh, his version of a romantic honeymoon was to sit and read uh, G.K. Chesterton, his first G.K. Chesterton book. So I think all you guys out there that are wondering how to romance your woman, you want to stay tuned because because we're going to focus on, on that romantic side of of. Dale Alquist Life. Dale is the president of the Chesterton Society. Now, the first time I was exposed to G.K. Chesterton, I went up in Manoa Valley up by the University of Hawaii, went to Thomas Cook's house, and we sat down outside. I thought it was going to be like stuffy leather chairs and, and lots of books that smelled moldy, but that's not the way it was at all. We're out in the lanai, and pretty soon everybody kind of brought out their cigars. You know, what is this? I didn't realize that G.K. Chesterton loved his cigars, and uh, and so uh, we, they had this great dialogue, and, and there were Orthodox, Catholic, uh, atheists, Protestants. Every type of person was there because there was such a, a respect for each other and such a free exchange of ideas. But I, I have to confess that they were using words there that I had read on paper but never heard anybody actually try to pronounce. So uh, I kind of had that experience of my jaw dropping and kind of doing that mouth breathing and my head turned to the side and and trying to listen. I, and, and afterwards, I normally am very, uh, you know, sociable. I snuck out of there as fast as I could. I didn't want anybody to, to, to ask me a question, see how, how uninformed I was. But I love G.K. Chesterton. I, I've, list, I've read a few of his books and uh, want to learn more about him. But I, I thought there might be a lot of people out there that are just like me that have kind of been twinged or heard a little bit about him and want to know more about G.K. So we brought the most romantic man in the world, Dale Alquist, on the president of the Chesterton Society. Aloha, Dale. Aloha, Bear. Thank you for inviting me. I heard a vicious rumor by, from Thomas Cook that you are coming to Hawaii in February. I am. I'm coming to Hawaii. It'll be my, my first trip to Hawaii, and I'm coming in February, which is a good time to leave Minnesota, where I'm from. And so, and so is this a romantic trip again? Are you bringing a lot of books with you? Well, it will be romantic. Um, I will bring some books, but they're mostly to make sure that uh, other people read them. I'm bringing them to the Hawaiians so they can discover Chesterton. And I, I am bringing a woman with me, but she happens to be my daughter. Oh, how, how cool. Well, I want to take her tandem surfing. Okay. <laughs> and we got to get you, and we're already waxing up your board. You're not going to get away with not going out and surfing well, I have to. I have to pose in a picture next to something. It may as well be a surfboard, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. you got to actually go out there and... and get your toes in the water but uh yeah so how, how is it that you um you, you got r rolling with with gk how did you even that book even find its way into your hands well i was a i was an evangelical i was a baptist and uh i was a big c.s lewis fan oh me too there you go love him and uh found out uh quite by accident uh Someone saw me reading a C.S. Lewis book and said, you like C.S. Lewis? I said, yeah, I love C.S. Lewis. He said, have you ever read G.K. Chesterton? And I said, well, I've never heard of G.K. Chesterton. And he said, well, if you read Chesterton, you don't even need to read C.S. Lewis because all of C.S. Lewis is in G.K. Chesterton. Now, Bear, that sounded like blasphemy to me. Yeah, you know, 
couldn't even believe someone would even say something like that. But that that's when the seed was planted. It wasn't until about oh, two or three years after that conversation that I picked up my first Chesterton book. And yes, uh, it happened to be on my honeymoon. It's kind of, it's kind of funny because someone will, I'll ask them, hey, so have you read, read C.S. Lewis? I bring up C.S. Lewis comes up in the conversation. And they go, they go no. But, but I go, well, he's kind of like a G.K. Chesterton Jr., it's almost like if there hadn't been a GK, there might not have been a C.S. Lewis, you know? Well, that's absolutely right, though, Bear, because C.S. Lewis himself was an atheist until he read The Everlasting Man by G.K. Chesterton. Oh, I had no idea. Wow. Yeah, and, and wow. The Everlasting Man was the book that really turned him towards God, and, and you know, his, he became a believer. At the, he said afterwards, he said, a young man who's serious about his atheism cannot be too careful about what he reads. <laughs> <laughs> what GK said this or CS? That was CS Lewis talking oh, about. Oh yeah, the, fact that the everlasting man knocked him out. Oh, of that's beautiful. Oh, wait, by the way, I should say, you know, I went. I'm although I was raised Catholic, I went to Baylor, the oh, yeah, University okay. of Baptist, Southern yeah. Baptist. Yeah, so I I love my Baptist brothers and sisters, and I, I mean, I first really first really learned people, educated people I was around was the theology professors there at Baylor. Sure. So. Yeah, so so you made the mistake of letting that letting a G.K. Chesterton book uh, slip into your hands then. Yes, yes, and it was on my honeymoon, and it was like any good Baptist uh, bear. I went to uh, Rome on my honeymoon. <laughs> you were on the slippery slope already. Yeah, I was. I was. I, I married a a woman who was born in, in Italy. Oh, she really? She was not a practicing Catholic, but we went to we went to Italy on our honeymoon. We went to Rome, but we were in Rome on our honeymoon, on the day that John Paul II was shot. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And since I was a Baptist, I was a suspect, of course. So, yeah, of uh, course. Yeah. 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 And you look suspicious. But I, was, I, I had an alibi. I was reading G.K. Chesterton. Yeah, that was really your cover, right. That made yeah. you even more uh, suspicious. Yeah, and so people people ask, well, what, what book were you reading, Dale? Like, you're, you're probably going to ask that right now, I bet. You, yes, by the way, Dale, what book were you reading? Oh. Uh, I was reading The Everlasting Man by G.K. Chesterton. That you already knew better. You shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And and my wife was reading Les Miserables. Mm-hmm. She's a heavy... She's, you so guys... We had are, a very interesting honeymoon. So anyways, we... That's how the that's how the path started that, that really um, changed my life in every way. But it's kind of interesting because my path to Rome, you could say, began in Rome. <laughs> And uh, and then I had to go all the way around the world. You you've read Man Alive, Chesterton's oh, novel about. Hey, should we tell them the end of the story? No, no, we can't tell them. We the can't end of the do story, that. But you can tell them the uh, middle of the story. Oh, it's just uh, no. You tell it. You tell it. It's just it's well, just here's, here's, so you know, Man clever. Man Alive is about a character named Innocent Smith who is accused of of burglary and attempted murder many times. And, yes, and and multiple adulteries and abandonment and. <laughs> And he's 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 completely guilty of all these crimes, except he's also innocent. <laughs> and that's why it's such a great story because he's innocent. Smith. When are they uh, going to do a film on this? It's, just, it's such a great story. They got to do a Hollywood's got to do a film on this. You know what a great idea. So there's one scene in the book where Innocent Smith decides he wants to see the front of his house. So he walks out the the back door and walks all the way around the world so he can see. The front of his house. Yeah, that's taking a long. That's taking a long. You know, in Hawaii we have the same thing. You can't get lost if you go to the right and instead of going to the left, eventually you go around the island. And you get back to where you were trying to get to. So. It's the same case. Same yeah. 
In fact, the first line, the first line of the everlasting man is there are two ways of getting home, and one of them is to stay there. <laughs> the thing I love about GK is every he has these ways of turning things on their head. He, he you know, some will say this. He goes, no, it's actually not. It's he, then he'll give it. He'll give you the reason why it's actually the, the exact opposite. You know, his, oh, the concept of paradox. Yes, yes, the, the 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 truth that is the opposite of what you expect and the opposite of what you think. And, again and you know, again and per- again. Perfect example. He says the, the self is more distant than any star. Okay. <laughs> Think about that. The self is more distant than any star. We, you know, we can, we can explore the universe and discover great things about it, but, but we are still a mystery to ourselves. Ah, oh, beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, I'm writing a book on the virtues, and uh, he has this quote where he talks about the four cardinal virtues, like, you know, uh, fortitude, justice, yeah. prudence, uh, temperance as being the sad virtues. Because <laughs> you kind of have to... You got to kind of be disciplined in them and kind of moderate them, and then and then and then he called the the three theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. I don't know. He he didn't really give them a name as them being fun or joyful, but he said with those well, three, the you Christian virtues. It's the difference between the pagan virtues and the Christian virtues. Right. Go ahead. Right. Going. Yeah. So he so he goes he goes on and uh, but basically what he says is faith, hope, and love. You can't get enough of that. And then he talked about how silly it is because faith. You only need faith when you is you know when you can't see something. Hope when it's hopeless. And you're supposed to love the unlovable. So um, right, perfect yeah. examples of par- another paradox. That, yeah, charity means forgiving the unforgivable, and faith means believing the incredible, and hope means hoping when things are hopeless. That that those absolutely paradoxical truths. Did your wife see you kind of giggling a little bit when you were reading? Or were you doing aha? Yeah, well, see, that's the great thing, because I was laughing and she was crying. Well, you know... Like I say, she was reading Les Miserables. I think it's kind of crazy that on your honeymoon, she she decides to read that. I wonder if she was feeling uh, sort of an empathetic voice there in that book from what she was going through, having to be married to you or something. I'm not sure well, what to yeah, think about that. Uh, you know, someone said that, you know, we need, we need a, a miracle for Chester to become a saint. And someone said, well, the fact that Dale's wife is still married to him is... <laughs> Probably evidence of a miracle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that makes sense. And so, what started <laughs> happening? What started? What's what? What? Uh, what were some of the aha moments that you experienced? Well, I mean, here's—I mean, I, I was re- reading a book, and, and I should tell everybody who's listening: Chesterton's book, *Everlasting Man*, is one of his greatest books. But everything he wrote is wonderful. He wrote an awful lot, but *The Everlasting Man* is really his story of salvation and how everything in the history of the world converged on Bethlehem. And when Jesus enters the stage, history changes. And there's nothing else that can explain that change in history except the idea that Jesus really is God in the flesh. And uh, his great his great demonstration, there's, there's no other way to explain it. And, and uh, it's a book that combines history and, and the mythological stories, but also art and psychology and philosophy and theology. And it's just a, it's a marvelous book. But Chesterton really covers all the bases. And, um, and I, you know, it was, it was a, it's a tough first book to read of Chesterton's. I, I recommend other books besides that. What would that be? What would those be? <laughs> I would recommend the introductory books that I've written on Chesterton. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Can you tell us about those, please? Yeah, I would recommend the, the book The Apostle of Common Sense. And then there's another one I wrote called Common Sense 101, Lessons from G.K. Chesterton. And isn't the name of your television show on EWTN, um, um, 
the first the first title you yeah, gave. The yeah, the Apostle of Common Sense. That's yeah. the name of the book. I, I love that show. show. And, you know, it's show. so yep. it's so GK the way you do it too. It's kind of a little <laughs> bit. It's almost like that. Those old, uh, those old. Uh, they would introduce the old classic movies. You know, oh, like sit- the Masterpiece Theater. Yes. Like yeah. Well, I was so amazed because yeah, EW Ten. You know, when they asked me to do the show, they said, "What kind of set should we do?" And I said, "Why?" Well, I picture a library or something, and, I, and when I got down there to the studios in Alabama, they had built this great set, just this beautiful. It looked like masterpiece theater. Yeah, yeah exactly. And you know, we had to, we had Thomas Cook on our on our show a couple of times uh, back in the day before it was on radio, back when we were just a podcast, and. Uh, we also did some live streaming of it, and we would play that masterpiece theater type music in the background before <laughs> he came on. And so, those two books—they're what? What is the names of them again? Yeah, the Apostles' Common Sense and Common Sense One Hundred and One Lessons from G.K. Chesterton. Where's the best place for them to get that? Oh, Chesterton dot org is the best place to get them. And if we become a member, what do we get? Do we get a lot of a, a brilliant newsletters or? Well, you get the best magazine in the world. I haven't got mine yet. I, I joined it a little while ago, maybe oh, a well, we, month we'll ago or something. It probably takes a little harder. It's a little bit harder for the the donkey, you know, to swim across. Uh, yeah, and I've been traveling. There. That's the problem. My mail never catches up with me. I'm just ah, all over the place. But yeah. yeah, so Gilbert Magazine, you get a discount on the books you buy. But the main thing about joining the American Chess Society, you can tell people. Yeah, I'm a I'm a member. Of I'm the a member. Yeah. Could, do you have and a card I can carry that I can show people? Probably do one up. We've got some kids with some color crayons here. That oh, that'd be awesome! Yeah. Member of the GK, and you know, the, one of the smartest things GK Chester ever did was not call himself Gilbert. Right, GK. <laughs> I mean, that's brilliant, right there. He already knew he had, he had it in him, you know. And so, uh, okay, so once they've read these introductory books, what would be a, the first two or three books by GK you would have people start well, off on? One of his most important books is Orthodoxy, and and uh, the the. The prequel to Orthodoxy is called Heretics, yeah. And uh, that that little tandem is a very good introduction to his thought. And those are books that will be with you forever, that because you'll always quote them, just like you were quoting the one about faith, hope, and charity. Yeah, that's from Heretics. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, you know, Orthodoxy is just chock full of great quotes, and that's really how he became a Christian. That's the story of well, how he, he became. Yeah, he was originally an atheist, right? He went from atheism yeah, to atheist, becoming a Christian. He went through his a, a Catholic. Talk about the fact that you know what really convinced him that Christianity was true was looking at all the philosophies against Christianity. It, it wasn't really the defenses of the faith; it was really the attacks on the faith because they, none of them made any sense, and they were so anxious to prove Christianity wrong that they all contradicted each other. And they all, if you took any of them to their logical conclusion, it would lead to madness. Everything that really isn't Christian ends up being. Unreasonable you know, and and really a, a crazy idea. Well, that's what brought me. I got to tell you, Dale. When I was at Baylor, I took a philosophy class. We went through all the philosophers, except for, of course, we never hit on Aquinas. We never got to Augustine. But uh, I would fall in love with them, like with Plato. Oh my God! And I do love Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle. But mm-hmm. once I read Plato's Republic, I was kind of like, eh, that's not quite right. You know, he shouldn't should have never gotten involved with politics, I guess. But but <laughs> all of, all of those um, different philosophies, I would kind of try on and it would be like you know it's just missing something if, even if it's 10 degrees off if, you, if you're if you in Hawaii and you're on a boat and you're sailing towards Hawaii and you're 10 degrees off your next stop is 2,500 miles away that's a perfect analogy and, I, and that, that's a little bit off yep yeah and that's the way I would feel and of course every every lie is mostly truth with just a little twist in it and that's what that's kind right. of 
throws us off. So when we get back uh, with Dale here, um, I want to ask him a little bit more about how, uh, as Augustine uh, called it, the slippery slope, how he, how his reading uh, of G.K. Chesterton kind of brought him uh, in an unexpected direction in, in his faith. So we'll be right back with, with Dale Alquist. This is Bear Wozniak with Deep Adventure Radio. You can go to our website, deepadventure.com. We have all kinds of social media you can share with your friends. You just All you got to do is click it, and you can share it on social media, too. We have our two-minute deep virtue segment, which is an audio segment, and you can share our whole show with people. And you can subscribe to our newsletter, and you can go to chesterton.org, and you can become a member and you can uh, also receive their magazine and, and stay in touch with what's happening with uh, the Chesterton Society. So this is Bear Wozniak with Deep Adventure Radio. We'll be right back with my co-adventure guide, Dale Alquist. Deep Adventure Radio, going deeper into the heart of God. EWTN is now on Twitter. Get short, timely messages from EWTN on your computer or cell phone. It's easy to stay up to date on a wide variety of topics. Pro-life news, Vatican announcements, catechesis, apologetics, the latest EWTN programming, and more. You can link to EWTN on Twitter from our homepage or go to twitter.com slash EWTN. At work, at home, at school, and on the road, stay connected to your world with EWTN's Twitter page. You're listening to Deep Adventure Radio with Bear Wozniak, the boldest hour of radio in the history of the world. Be courageous and take your relationship with God to the next level. Check out our website at deepadventure.com. You can sign up for fellow adventurer Bear's weekly email, go deeper in faith with Deep Virtue blog, order Bear's book, Deep in the Wave, A Surfing Guide to the Soul, and follow Bear as he takes you on a radical adventure through calm tides, monster waves, and the powerful presence of God. At deepadventure.com, you can journey with Bear on his travels, find out how to bring him to your parish or men's conference, and accept the challenge of an intimate relationship with God. Tackle the deepest part of yourself by signing up for our Deep Adventure Quest retreats. The most radical thing you can do is abandon yourself to the wild adventure of God's will. Find out more at deepadventure.com. For a complete list of the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network AM and FM stations across America, go to EWTN.com, look for the radio pull-down menu, and select AM FM stations. The list is updated regularly, so visit often. Again, go to EWTN.com, look for the radio pull-down menu, and select AM FM stations. Also at EWTN.com, you'll find out how to listen to us on the web, on shortwave, and in some countries on satellite. You'll find it all on EWTN.com. Deep Virtue with Bear Wozniak. Aloha, this is Bear Wozniak from DeepAdventure.com with this week's Deep Virtue. Uh, I have a friend, Tim Forrest. He's a surf photographer. Every morning he posts pictures on Island Sunrise, or that morning's sunrise. And he was telling me that a little while ago he was at the beach and someone, some young man was sitting on the beach and he started to put rocks inside his backpack. And he watched this for a while. It was kind of strange to see this guy do that. And then that guy put the backpack on his back and started walking into the water. And he realized when he got up to chest high that this guy was actually trying to kill himself. So Tim rushed out and just with a real voice of authority just said, turn around and go back. What are you thinking? And the kid was kind of suffering and struggling a little bit, but he's able to kind of blubber his way, turn around and get back out of the water. And the next day he came up and gave him just the biggest hug and thanked him. But I want to tell you something. I think a lot of us are like that. 
I think of a lot of us have a bunch of rocks in our backpack. Jesus said, you know, that we should take up our cross daily and follow him. But he also said that my burden is light and it fits perfectly. Are you carrying a bunch of rocks in your backpack that don't really belong there? Believe me, if you do, if you're carrying a lot of burdens in your backpack that don't belong to you, you're probably going to get burdened down and you might even get a little bit depressed. You might feel like taking a walk out in the ocean with that backpack on your back. You know, there's sometimes we take on burdens that belong to the Lord. My dad used to have a special drawer. I, I opened it up once. I said, what's all this stuff in here? And he goes, well, this is God's drawer. And I go, what do you mean by that? Well, this is where I put the things that I don't really know. I write a note, the things I really don't know how to handle, don't know really uh, know uh what uh, what I need to do. And so I put this in here and, it, and I pray until God gives me the answer. So this is God's drawer. So let's give our burdens to the Lord. This is Bear Wozniak with Deep Virtue. You can find me at deepadventure.com. Deep Virtue with Bear Wozniak. Find out more at deepadventure.com. Back to Deep Adventure Radio with Bear Wozniak. Suffering in paradise for you. Aloha and welcome back to Deep Adventure Radio. This is your host, Bear Wozniak, your adventure guide uh, today, along with Dale Alquist from the Chesterton Society. Isn't that kind of cool that I know someone that that is a president of something that's called a society? It sounds so brilliant. And it is. Uh, G.K. Chesterton, I really shouldn't say this, but I'm going to just admit to something, okay? My... my uh, my sunset prayer time, you know, I go down to the beach. Uh, I, 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 always at sunrise and sunset, I'm outside praying. But my evening is my longer prayer time. I go down to the beach. I take three deep breaths and I hold it the whole time it takes the sun to set, which is two minutes and 20 seconds. Ancient Hawaiian tradition. I breathe out the Jesus prayer. Jesus, Lord Jesus, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then I light up a cigar and begin my prayer time. <laughs> and I used to feel bad about that, but I asked the bishop about it, and, he, and I, um, he said, "No, it's like a sacramental for you. It keeps you focused on your that when you have when you're there with that cigar in your hand, you're focusing on your time of of sacred reading and prayer. And so we got to have if, if if G. K. Chester became a saint, he'd be the patron saint of cigars, I think. Oh, absolutely. It's the whole whole idea is holy smoke, there, bear, and. Uh... You know, you're burning your evening incense to God is what you're doing, which is what it says in the Psalms. Well, you know what else it does? It keeps people away from me. So it's a great way to get rid of people. It's a solitude maker because I want to talk out loud to God sometimes, and people just think I'm talking to myself. But with that cigar, it keeps people kind of at a distance. So it works very well for me. <laughs> but tell us, I want to hear about uh, what started happening with you as, you as you started going deeper with GK, because here you are an evangelical and you're reading the writings of a Catholic. Yes, I, it took me a while to figure out he was Catholic, and then when I realized he was Catholic, then I, it was something I tried to avoid and just work my way around it. And yet the second book of his that I read was his book on St. Francis of Assisi. So th there should have been all kinds of red lights going on and, and si sirens and alarms saying, you know, stay away from stuff like this. But, I mean, his description of St. Francis and his explanation of this really, truly mystical saint showed that Chester himself had mystical insight. And one of the things he said, because you realize that Baptists don't believe in the communion of the saints. They don't think there are really saints. You just talk directly to God is what you do. You don't need a saint to intercede for you. And, um, but the, he had this line about St. Francis that, you know, sometimes sometimes our, our relationship with Christ can be almost too abstract. Um, and it's like staring at the sun, which is something you can't do. This the 
the Son of God and the Son of the Sky. There's a pun there. You can't look directly at the sun, um, but you can look at the moon because the sun's light reflects off the moon, and then you can see the light of the sun as it reflects off the moon. He says St. Francis is like the moon, and you, you get a sense of the light of the sun from the moon. And that was a really good explanation of, of how saints reflect the glory of God. And uh, that was a troubling thing for me to read because it was never anything that was part of my own theology before, and yet there it was, and I had to think about it for the first time. But it was certainly a long process because Chesterton had to work on me for 16 years before he led me in the doors of the Catholic Church. And, and he says there's really three stages to conversion. He says the first, the first step is that you decide that you're going to be fair to the Catholic Church. But there is no being fair to the Church. You either end up being for it or against it. Nobody's ever neutral about the Catholic Church. You, you probably notice that in your life. You notice that, that, that nobody can be objective. They either favor it, they defend it, they love it, or they attack it. And, and those are really the only two choices. As soon as you decide you're going to be fair to it, you start being for it. And that's all, you've already turned at that, at that point. And he said the second stage is simply discovering the Catholic Church, learning all these things that you never knew uh, about it. And he says that's like exploring this new country with all these exotic flowers and animals and butterflies that you never knew existed. And uh, you're just taking it all in, and it's a fascinating experience. And there's no commitment, so it's just a bunch of fun. But then comes the third stage, which is running away from the Catholic Church. Because... Once your head has been convinced, really the first two stages are, are intellectual. You got get all your objections and all your uh, intellectual problems with the church uh, answered, and, and then comes just the, the relationship with your will, and and your heart is telling you, "Don't do this, don't do this," because you will have to change your life completely. This will change you completely, and you can't go back after that. And uh, it ends with the convert bowing his head and entering the church. The Chesterton says. And all the people on the outside think he's entering a prison. And yet for the convert, he walks into the church and realizes that the church is larger on the inside than it is on the outside. And that the outside world is that small and narrow and crazy. Yes. Yes. Amen. And you know, one of the things that, I, I mean, I agree with you. People think of the Catholic Church as this, this church with a bunch of rules and really narrow-minded dogmas. But I loved what he said when he said that orthodoxy, uh, the good thing about orthodoxy is it lets, it lets good things run wild. Is that kind of how yes. he said it? And, uh, and you know, the, one of the examples of that to me is Thomas Aquinas. And I think he didn't he write a book on him called yes. The Bull or something like yeah. that. And he wrote a, a book just like, um, just like on St. Francis. He wrote a wonderful book on St. Thomas Aquinas. Well, the thing about that is Aquinas, what I love about Aquinas, and I and I and I've read through and I and I just I just love his mind and it and it very much reflects the Catholic mind and is that is that he asked every question he wanted to ask and he would get the finest little sliver of a question and then ask the finest sl little sliver of the next question, but the Catholic mind is free to question, free to learn, free to experience. Uh, it's not this narrow-minded uh, dogma. It's built on faith and reason. Can can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, well, his book on, on Thomas Aquinas is a perfect example of how um, you, you were talking about Aristotle uh, earlier, and you know Aristotle really needed that fulfillment of the faith to be complete. And what Thomas Aquinas did was he, he baptized, uh, in a sense, the great Aristotelian philosophy and showed how it uh, is supported by, uh, by 
Catholic theology and, and how faith and reason do come together, whereas everyone in the world always thinks, you know, faith is in its compartment and reason is in its compartment and, you know, uh, that the faith is not reasonable and reason does not have to rely on faith. But they do. They, they absolutely need to. You, Chesterton says, um, you know, it's an act of faith to, to believe that reason has any connection to reality at all. <laughs> it <laughs> is. Epistemologically, epistemologically you've got to have faith in some sort of God. Otherwise, all you are is someone with a bunch of chemicals in your brain that are randomly firing. Yeah. But so then when, when did you kind of finally make that, that, when did you cross the Tiber? Yeah, it was 1997 when I was received. And, you know, I, I, uh, all of my objections fell one at a time uh, as, uh, as I explored the church and, and questioned it. And, you know, I certainly wasn't afraid to question anything. And I think for a, a strong evangelical, when, when, they're not ready to make the move until they really have had all their questions answered, uh, because they they know then that they're going to have to defend the decision they made, and 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 so consequently, they also become good defenders of the faith. And so I've, I've written a book on apologetics too, because of the uh, I get asked everything and I get get confronted on everything because I uh, have made this decision to become Catholic. Yeah, you know, so, you're uh, so right. And but but Augustine said a a a. a, a Conversion based on emotion isn't really a conversion at all. It's just yeah, no, emotional. you can't you can't become Catholic at a Billy Graham crusade. It 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 just it's a long process and it it takes your whole person and the, and the church takes it very seriously. They won't you know they won't accept you as a member uh, as a Catholic based on an emotional decision. They they make you go through a lot of work before you can call yourself a Catholic. And that's consistent with the early church. Not not the not in the in the New Testament we see them were going right away and baptizing people as the church was lifting off. But right away, while the apostles were still alive, um, catechumens went through two to three year um, preparation before they were baptized and before they were allowed to receive the Eucharist. Yep. yep. So there's no, nothing unusual about nothing unusual about that. So um, so and the, and so what is the name of the book that you wrote on on apologetics? Oh yeah, that was called All Roads. All Roads. And what is that? What's the essence of that title mean? Well, all roads lead to Rome, right? That's that's where that comes from. But um, the point of the book is that all um, conversations that we're ever into, every any any topic that comes up, there's always a Catholic perspective on it. And you can, basically, any conversation you ever get in is an opportunity to defend the faith. And it's been thought through. It's been it's yep. been, and it's based on solid foundational reason. Like you said, when when Aquinas, uh, when Aristotle, when they rediscovered his writings, and Aquinas started to take, take you know, it, it's all based on on uh, on well thought through, uh, and uh, you know, scripture and reason. So, and you yeah, know, we that's look. That's a great comfort. That should be a yeah. great comfort for every Catholic to know that there is a Catholic perspective that is that is right, that is the leads to the truth on every subject that comes up. And so uh, there's always an opportunity to defend the faith and to, to point people towards the faith. So if I talk about surfing, that can be a topic for me to lead someone to, to Christ and to the Catholic Church. Yeah, because... It's true. Well, and, and, and it's Catholic true. I would love the idea of surfing, too, yeah. because it's, it's, it's such a paradox. Because what are you doing? You're walking on water, aren't you? Yeah, oh, he would love that, wouldn't he? And how about tandem surfing, where I lift lift someone, I lift a, 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 my partner in the air when we're surfing? That's kind of kind of strange. So when we get back here, I want I, I want to ask you if you could please. I, I I love the fact that we've got a champion. We got a Rocky Balboa in G.K. Chesterton, except for that he doesn't get knocked down very often. But he comes out, takes his gloves off, and in a very uh, in a very uh, actually cordial, the same way Socrates ripped apart 
Cortias, I think that's how you say his name, very cordial, very light, very respectful, just rips apart the argument of Clarence Darrow, who had just had the, the trial. What was the name of that trial again? The, the, the Scopes trial was in 1945, yeah. and, and it was six years later, 1931, when Chesterton debated Clarence Well, we're going we're gonna to be right back with, with our guest, Dale Alquist. We'll talk a little bit about this. This is Bear Wozniak with Deep Adventure Radio. Deep Adventure Radio, going deeper into the heart of God. EWTN.com is online with program information, the latest news, Pope Benedict XVI, plus tools for living the faith like prayers, Catholic Q&A, and other resources. Log on today to EWTN.com. Deep Adventure Radio has challenged you to accept the wild adventure of God's will. Now, go even deeper with Bear's best-selling book, Deep in the Wave, a surfing guide to the soul. In story after story, Bear takes us along as he paddles deep, surfing alongside whales and dolphins and avoiding killer sharks. Bear shares his experiences of the ocean in an intimate and exciting way. We share in his pain, healing through God, and the joy of finding that deep, intimate relationship with Him. As the story unfolds, you'll see how surfing has become the metaphor for the journey toward intimacy with God. Deep in the Wave, a surfing guide to the soul, will stir your own desire to go deeper into your faith. Order it today at deepadventure.com for your own faith journey or for someone who needs to go deeper. Deep in the Wave, a surfing guide to the soul by Bear Wozniak. Available at deepadventure.com. Who brings you the side of the story you won't hear anywhere else? Year after year, it's the National Catholic Register. And here on EWTN Radio, you can get it straight from the news professionals on Register Radio. Every week, you'll hear from the Register's top reporters, bloggers, and experts, as well as in-depth interviews with the newsmakers themselves. I'm Tom Price. Please join Jeanette DeMello and me for Register Radio this weekend on EWTN. Wax up your boards. Let's paddle in for another wave of Deep Adventure Radio. Aloha and welcome back to Deep Adventure Radio. I'm your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. We have our co-adventure guide, Dale Alquist, the president of the Chesterton Society, uh, is with us. We're talking about our friend G.K. Chesterton. You should be hearing the theme song from Rocky playing in the background. Uh, He was a champion of our faith, and I love it. I love the, the, you know, he finally comes over to America and, uh, they're going to set him up for the big fall. They're going to, what, 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 what was it? Carnegie Hall? Where were they again where they had the big it debate? It was called the Mecca Temple in New York City. It was a huge, uh, uh, auditorium. It seated about 4,000 people. And he's going to take on Clarence, Clarence Darrow's just going to wipe him out because GK's a man of faith. So he's just going to step all over him. And he, and what was Clarence Darrow's great victory that he was famous for? Yeah, well, he was famous for the Scopes trial, which was the debate on evolution. It was in uh, Tennessee. It was really a thing that was staged by the American uh, Civil Liberties Union to, be, because uh, it was against the law to teach evolution in the public schools there. And someone volunteered to be uh, to be the, the guinea pig in a trial. And he, the guy, the guy's name was John T. Scopes. He had never actually taught evolution, but he agreed to be put on trial as if he had. And it was really a show trial. And it was really done for the press. And uh, Clarence Darrow, of course, defended John Scopes. And uh, 
um, William Jennings Bryan, a former presidential candidate and fundamentalist uh, Baptist, was uh, was the one uh, de- defending the uh, the law. Well, you know, the whole problem was it was as Chester says it was a provincial quarrel because it was it was Darwin versus the Bible, and uh, it you know it, it wasn't even a a real um, issue, but but they so it was it was all completely phony and. Uh, um, but it, it was and based all on someone's interpretation for the really the atheists to debunk um, the fundamentalists. Yeah, That's and based on f- based upon a, a f- not just the Bible but a fundamentalist view of the Bible. So yeah, that was 1925. It was 1931 when uh, when Chesterton came to America. And so Clarence Darrow has been during those six years, uh, Bear. That was um, Clarence Darrow just made a career of going around and debating people. Uh, he, he he was this lawyer, but he. Um, he just really quit law at that point and became a speaker and uh, you know did the circuit because that's he made so well, much that, more money as a speaker than he did as a lawyer. Well, that was like in the day with Socrates, the rhetoricians would go around; they could talk really good, maybe not not necessarily uh, you know saying everything logically, but they were good talkers. Right. And right. Socrates and so, ripped up Critias. How do you say that name again? I never can say it right. <laughs> huh? Yeah, whatever you like. It's okay. fine. I'm not yeah, Latin it, or Greek. It, I mean, Carol was. Uh, was an agnostic and was a proud agnostic, and you know basically that he would just be a skeptic. He would he would take the skeptical view of everything and and, and try to rip everyone else's apart. Uh, so he was an agnostic in every in every respect in every way of life. And so then tell us about it. Set the stage. So here was the, the the debate was will will the world return to religion was the so it was already set in such a way that the world was leaving religion and uh, and. Clarence Darrow, who represents scientific materialism, and uh, G.K. Chesterton, who represents uh, really the Catholic faith, but but really on behalf of all people who believe in God, um, was saying the world will never leave religion. There'll, there'll be times when you know there'll be religious revivals, but and there'll be times of doubt. But people are always fundamentally religious. The majority of the people believe in God. Darrow took the position, well. You certainly don't believe in miracles, Mr. Chesterton, and, and you know, with all the scientific evidence we have, um, and, and Chesterton says, well, uh, you, could, you can still believe in miracles and still accept scientific uh, proofs and everything. You, could, you don't have to reject science to believe in miracles. In fact, it's science that actually proves miracles, because when there are no exp- other explanations that come from science, that's when, that's when we have a miracle, the whole thing is that science confirms the miracle. and That's why the Church insists that a, uh, a, an alleged miracle be evaluated by doctors and science, scientists so that they can uh, you know, reach the conclusion there's no other explanation. Uh, there's, no, there's no natural explanation for an accounting. In Chesterton's right. great lines, the most unbelievable thing about miracles is that they happen. Right. <laughs> and uh, and, and Darrow was saying, well, you know, science disproves miracles. Um, and everyone knows it. And and Chester says science uh, actually hasn't disproved the, the the miracles that the church has affirmed. And the fact is, everyone doesn't know it because most investigators have this great difficulty in explaining the modern miracles, that, like the cures at Lourdes. He brought up the cures at, at Lourdes, and it's true. The scientists never want to never want to talk about those those miracle miraculous uh, cures at, at Lourdes. And uh, and of course. Daryl wanted to get into literal interpretations of the scripture, and and 
and Chesterton, you know, had explained that the Catholic view of Scripture isn't the same as the Protestant view, and we don't have to take these stories literally the way a, a, a Protestant. Like maybe does. the maybe the Earth was created not just in seven days, but it was exactly, a, yeah. and uh, and so that that the, these these stories uh, have a, a spiritual truth that is demonstrated, but. Uh, and these, you know, these are the the, the more mystical uh, of the of the creation stories, which he calls a poem. You know, he says the the Genesis, uh, the early Genesis accounts is, are poetic. They're not scientific, and well, they, they make us understand that God is the creator, that there is a creator, and we have a responsibility to that creator. Um, but you know, the the alternate explanation is even harder to believe that it all came by by chance, and uh, that we are standing here as a result of a mindless process, and and he said to, when when uh, Clarence Dare was just thundering about these uh, literal interpretations, you know, he says I don't know if Chester says I don't know if Dare was debating me or his fundamentalist maiden aunt. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys, you and, don't. Anyways, yeah. at the end, and mm-hmm. there were people who were who were genuinely worried going into this debate. They said, you know, that now Chester just finally met his match, and at the end, uh, everyone's. They sat there. And they didn't even want to leave because there was such, you know, there was such an intellectual force that was still in the room. And one of the reviewers who wrote about it in the New York paper said, "Here's Chester, and he's debated some of the great thinkers of Europe, and he comes to America, and he says he didn't even break into a sweat. He didn't even get his exercise debating <laughs> Daryl. Daryl came off looking like a fool." Well, you know, I'll tell you what, we Dale, we got to take a break. We got to break away. We're, we're pow already, as we say in Hawaii. Pow Hana, finish okay. work. Uh, but we can find more about GK, more about Dale Alquist at the Chesterton. Is it Chesterton.org? Chesterton.org, uh, Bear. Send them to Chesterton.org. And you know what? The Clarence Darrow debate, I talk about it in The Complete Thinker. Get it? The, the Complete Thinker. That's the fourth book. Uh, Dale, I love you so much. I, I love your love for Guy. I love your love for. For GK, now I got to ask you one last question: yeah. Do you do you on occasion have a cigar? Um, I have honor? been known to blow holy smoke, indeed. In yeah. that, in, and what it would be your favorite cigar maker? I'm just curious. Well, I am romantic, as you said, so it has to be <laughs> Romeo, a Romeo Juliet. Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you so much, Dale Alquist. This is Bear Wozniak with Deep Adventure Radio. Uh, we've been talking about who we hope to be someday be the Saint G.K. Chesterton and maybe the patron saint of cigars. This is Bear Wozniak. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Peter Crave, professor of philosophy at Boston College. When I'm not surfing, I like to listen to Bear Wozniak on Deep Adventure Radio. And you will, too. Surf's Up, real and radical ways to live your faith. This is Jason Jones from IamWholeLife.com and Movie to Movement with this week's Surf's Up segment. As we approach the 100th anniversary of World War I, it pays to reflect on this past century. With the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand, the start of World War I, the Bolshevik Revolution, the Armenian Genocide, the rise of nationalism, Nazism, fascism, communism, a second world war that was more brutal than the first, concentration camps, gulags, firebombs, total bombing, total war, the dropping of two atomic bombs, the rise of communism in Asia, all the way to our own 
one day with the brutal ethnic cleansing of Christians in the Middle East and the absolute disappearance of Christians in the Nuba Mountains. We look back at the past 100 years and we see the saddest, most bloodiest, bloodiest century in the history of man. What can we do to make sure that our century is a more humane, peaceful century than the last? Well, we're blessed with Catholic social teaching, and five landmarks of Catholic social teaching can be the pillars that provide for this structured, ordered liberty. One, that the human person is made in the image and likeness of God and has an incomparable dignity, beauty, and worth. Two, the transcendent moral order, that there is a law above the laws of man, above the customs of man, that positive law should strive to conform to. Three, subsidiarity, that the further an institution is from the person, the less influence that that institution should have in the life of the person, and most problems should be solved in non-governmental associations like the family and the church. Four, the humane economy, a just social order is grounded in private property set within the common wealth of the family. And five, solidarity, that our personal actions should correspond to the common good. This is Jason Jones with IamWholeLife.com and Movie to Movie. Surf's up, go deep or go home. Now, back to Paradise and Deep Adventure Radio. Welcome back to Deep Adventure Radio. That was a great ride having Dale Alquist, the president of the G.K. Chesterton Society. Society, that's where you speak with your your jaw jutted out just a little bit more and you act a little bit more harump 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 I guess is, would be the correct English pronunciation, where we uh, let our minds uh, dwell on, on God. We want to invite you we, uh, to go to our website, deepadventure.com. You can subscribe to our newsletters. You can uh, buy my book, Deep in the Wave, A Surfing Guide to the Soul. Um, and you can click on our Fitness to Witness link. It goes right to Onnit. Onnit is a notorious uh, company. They develop earth-grown nutrients, only earth-grown nutrients, to help us. The Alpha Brain product is excellent uh, nootropic. It really helps my cognitive function. It helps me find words that I'm looking for a little bit easier. It helps me uh, reason and think and understand more clearly. It's just a great uh, supplement for your for the chemicals, uh, the, the nutrients your brain needs. Their melatonin is really helpful for me. It's the best I've ever used when I'm traveling. I need to go to sleep. It helps me have a good night's sleep and not wake up tired. And uh, their uh, Shroom Tech Sport is great for me. It, it helps me enhance my and, and elongate my, my workout. So they're just a great company. I want to invite you to go to our website and check them out. Uh, this is Bear Wozniak from DeepAdventure.com. May the breath of the Holy Spirit aloha you. Aloha! This is Deep Adventure Radio. Hear archived shows, buy Bear's book, Deep in the Wave, A Surfing Guide to the Soul, and sign up for our Wave of the Week email at DeepAdventure.com. For the latest news on Bear and Deep Adventure, visit us on Facebook and share Deep Adventure with your friends. The most radical thing you can do in life is abandon yourself to the wild adventure of God's will. Deep Adventure Radio. 